welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary episode number 82 for Saturday the 6th of January 2018 and a very happy new year to you. This is the first podcast diary of a brand new year and uh, it's going to be a long one I'm afraid. I'll warn you up front because I can't believe how much news I've got for you this week. I was supposed to be going through my goals for quarter one of this year and also my overall aims for 2018 and I've also got a whole load of news to tell you as well so uh, very exciting but uh, let's crack on with it and I'll let you know where we are. So first of all my writing and editing process. You know that I was uh, malingering and hanging on and procrastinating about getting my phase six science fiction book sorted. Well it is all done. It went to Helen Fazal on Tuesday so Tuesday the 2nd of January. Uh, Helen's got that now and she'll have that uh, edited for me uh, hopefully fingers crossed by the end of February and I'm aiming loosely no not loosely I'm aiming for a 23rd of March release on that book. So I forget about that now for two months and start thinking about the next book, which is Left for Dead. And I start to write Left for Dead, which is going to be a 50,000 word thriller on Friday, the 12th of January. So I have to get my 5,000 words written by then. So at the moment, I'm just chugging around ideas and characters and things like that. And actually, I was very uh, happy to discover I started off a Scrivener file and a Novel Factory file. So the Scrivener is what I write in, and Novel Factory is where I do all my planning and my characterization in. And I was delighted to find, and I'd, I'd actually forgotten this, that um, I'd been on the verge of starting Left for Dead, and I think I'd, at the last minute, swapped it out for one fatal error, because I hadn't quite got the idea ready in my head. And so I was delighted to find that I got a Scrivener file and a planning file already done. So I've done loads of my characterization and locations and things like that already, which was great. So I've got a bit of a head start on this one. Uh, but I've just got to put the story to bed. And what I tend to do is I get the characters and the bare bones of it. And I'm just thinking about it constantly uh, and quite intensively. And then I will be ready to hit the ground running with it um, by Friday of next week. So 5,000 words, got to be written next Friday. Uh, got to have that book written before, when is it? It's it's quite early. I've got to write this one quite fast um, because I'm going for a week away with my middle son this time. We're going to Scotland, the Highlands, for a week uh, towards the end of March. It has to be written, I think, by mid-March, that book. So I've got to crack on with it. So that's writing and editing process. Um, general news, and, and this is what I hadn't expected to have much to tell you, uh, and actually I have got quite a lot to tell you for the first week of a brand new year. The first thing was, is um, I've had two competition results in this week. Uh, the first one was from Writer's Digest Self-Published Ebook Awards. That was a knockback to say uh, thank you, but no thank you. And then I... am uh, a runner-up in the London Book Festival. You'll have seen this if you follow me on social media. So the London Book Festival, um, to be honest with you, it, I don't get too excited about it, but I have actually got in for it for the last three years. Uh, the reason I go in for it is because it's London and because they have a nice posh dinner in London. And I've always said I'm not going to the posh dinner, not unless I, I win the thing outright, because it'll be a nice posh photo with loads of other authors. Um, but I, I think I can't remember I've been... I can't remember. I think I was something like an honourable mention in year one for The Secret Bunker. I think I might have been runner-up. I'm sure I, went, I moved up a notch, I'm sure. but Don't quote me on this. Uh, last year with The Grid, I'm sure I went to a runner-up maybe in the sci-fi category. Well, this year, uh, unusually, they don't have a thriller category. So I put my Don't Tell Meg um, first book in to general fiction, which, as it turns out, it seems to be the most competitive of the sections. Um, so... I came runner-up in general fiction, and the overall winner, uh, which was a lady uh, called Julia Wilmot, um, I, I came second to her. So I'm not quite sure what, what that means. I think it means I'm sort of second overall, as far as I can tell from the rankings, but certainly second in general fiction. But they kind of hailed her as the overall winner, so I came second to the overall winner. Now, again, you know, these I don't get excited about these awards because effectively they're there to relieve you of your money and to keep... Um, you keep paying for things like the meal in London and uh, various other bits, certificates and things. It's just a money-making exercise. Um, so the only reason I sort of give it any credence is I've been trying to get to the top position to be the winner because I would have gone for the winner. I think the winner probably goes in free. Um, but 
really it's just a it's a visibility thing and it kind of confirms to me uh because there are a lot of books i, I can't I, I'm not, I haven't counted them but in the honorable mentions this is bearing in mind there are many books below the honorable mentions it at least sort of tells me that i'm not writing rubbish that i'm somewhere in the right ballpark um but the one I really wanted to win, and please don't think this is a glass half full kind of scenario, but the one I really wanted to, to get a, a ranking in was the Writer's Digest one. So I got a knockback in the one I really wanted to win, only because I think the Writer's Digest has more credibility than the, the London Book Festival. But um, still haven't got a win in the London Book Festival. As I say, they always post photographs with very nice posh author meal in London. But I think we have to pay for that, mind you, which is why I'm not going. Um but one of these days I might get a win. Fingers crossed. I'll put another win in next year probably and just keep trying for a win. But I don't really know why I do it, to be honest with you, because um, I don't buy the certificate or anything. It's just something I announce on social media. Um, but the Alliance of Independent Authors, they've done an excellent article on the best kind of competitions to go in for. Um, because a lot of competitions are really just there to relieve you of your entrance fee and then to sell you the the ticket for the ceremony and then to sell you the the medal or whatever it is. And the Alliance of Independent Authors has gone through all the competitions and, and separated the wheat from the chaff. Now, I don't think these competitions, I think these ones go in the commercial. They're not a scam, but they're, 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 there's no way they're a scam. Uh, they're proper competitions and they are properly judged, but they are there primarily not for the benefit of authors. They're there for the benefit of generating income from, from entrance fees and things like that, uh, whereas some competitions are generally there for the benefit of authors. So uh, the Alliance of Independent Authors did a brilliant article on that. So do do a Google search for it. And uh, I highly recommend that to you because it will separate all the competitions for you. Um, I got a uh, an interesting email from Pip Reed. Uh, Pip is a sponsor of the show through Patreon. And um, and I've interviewed Pip. If you look for her interview, if you do a search for Pip Reed in the search box, you'll find Pip's interview. Uh, Pip just sent me an article this week about a BookBub uh, deal deconstructed. And it was basically telling you how you get selected for a BookBub deal. It was a really interesting article. I've put it on the show notes for this week. Um, interesting, some of my experience was aligned with that article. Some of my experience wasn't aligned with that article. Um, you know, for instance, I'm surprised I got picked with the cover. I'm surprised I get picked with the number of reviews I had at the time. I've now got, I think it's something like 62 reviews, which is the most reviews I've ever had on a book. Um, so it has been really useful, the book bump, for getting lots of reviews on a book. But whether, when I list it in April, when I try my luck with Don't Tell Meg Again in April, whether they'll let me do another promo on it or not, I don't know. I don't think it's guaranteed because I didn't hit all the criteria in the article. So again, if you are after a book bump, very, very interesting to uh, look at that article. Also, there was a strand that I replied to on the 20 Books to 50K Facebook group this week where somebody was saying, I don't know how you guys do it who do a book bub. You know, it costs $350. I, I, dead, I dead venture that money. And there were lots of us who've had book bubs piling in and uh, and people saying, oh, I've had eight book bubs and they're not as effective as they were. You know, everybody obviously putting in their opinion. Um, but it looked like I'd done quite well from, from the figures that people were sharing there. I think I seem to have done pretty well with my book bump compared to other people in terms of the income and the downloads uh, generated. So I, I don't know why that was. Uh, I'm not knocking it, but um, I seem to have had a, a lucky book bump from the sounds of it, just listening to what other people were saying. Something that I'd completely forgotten that I'd set up before Christmas. Uh, if you recall, the Goodreads free giveaways are disappearing sometime in January. And so I decided to just have a last go at it. And I've put virtually all my books onto Goodreads as a giveaway. Certainly the, the thrillers and the fictions are all there. Uh, basically so that they can go into people's want to read and I can just get this last, that's not free because I have to pay to send the books out. But I've, I've just basically um, put virtually all my books on Goodreads as free giveaways just to make the most of that channel before Goodreads start charging you a fortune. I ain't paying, I'm not paying for Goodreads. Um, I, I don't like the channel enough. I think the reviews are often pretty snotty and uh, looking down their nose. Um, you know, generally a rule of thumb with Goodreads is that if you get a four star on Amazon, you'll get a three star on Goodreads. I have to say my view of Goodreads is, you know, <laughs> this might be a bit controversial. Rather than reviewing other people's books, how about writing your own? That's that's my view of, of Goodreads. So it, it does, I'm not a big fan of Goodreads, but I, I understand that I have to, to use it. Um, and uh, as I say, that you know, the, your, your ratings are generally one star down from what they would be uh, on Amazon. Uh, but I am, I am, I am very aware of the power of a Goodreads giveaway. So 
I've got the giveaways running. I'll give you the numbers, the final numbers. But I did have a quick check. I haven't looked at it at all. Uh, the re- reason I haven't looked at it at all is because I'm, I've now got three author names on Goodreads. I haven't got organised with my logins yet. So it's a pain to log in and work out which profile I'm looking at. So I've just been lazy and haven't checked. But I did have a look at the thrillers the other day. And I noticed um, you always get a big flurry of people requesting them in these free giveaways right at the end. And we're not in that zone just yet. But I noticed that we're all getting about, you know, 100 to 200 requests. So it's really good for free publicity. It's just a shame that they're killing them. It's It's been a really effective tool for me in the past. But um, I'll give you the final figures next week when they start to come in and let you know how many book requests we got as a, as a result of giveaway uh, good giveaways on Goodreads. And we could all have a, a little cry together that those are no longer going to be available towards the end of January. It's good to report to you that my sales are still really strong on Don't Tell Meg through Amazon. So um, I recorded, uh, I was £1,200 of income uh, last month in December. Uh, remember, the, the big month was £4,500, I think it was, something like that. Um, so we had a 1200 month last month, and the sales are still continuing this month. We're only going about sort of £25. We're in, probably in the, the £25 to £40 a day, but more it's more likely to be lower than higher at the moment. But that's still way better than I was getting. And the very interesting thing for me is that I can only assume this is as a consequence of an increased Amazon ranking and visibility because I, I shifted so many copies, is that I'm selling a lot of Don't Tell Meg. So if you remember, Don't Tell Meg was given away for free, and it was it's almost two months ago since we had that free promo now. It is two months, isn't it? October 31st. Yeah, it is two months ago since the free promo. So why am I now selling lots of Don't Tell Megs? The one that, Now it's paid and not free. That I was thinking about that the other day. It must be as a consequence, I assume, of just being more visible um, in Amazon. So it has had that uh, effect as well. And of course, as people buy Don't Tell Meg, they go on to buy the other two books. So it is still working well for me. But but mindful that last year I had my best months with a free booksy promo and then with a BookBub promo. I can't put Don't Tell Meg in for another BookBub promo until April. So I thought, well, I'm not going to sit on my hands here. I want to try and get some more income from this book because it does seem to be a book that sells. People seem to like it enough and people seem to, there's enough buy-throughs for it to make it worth my while advertising it. So um, I've scheduled some giveaways. I wanted to just be clear of the new year. I just wanted everybody to sort of get back to work and back in routine. So I've scheduled for the Thursday, the 25th of January, I have scheduled a free booksy promo. Now remember, free booksy is what gave me my $1,000 month earlier last year. And I'm delighted to announce that Fussy Librarian has has actually accepted me at last. So on the 25th of January, I've got a free book, and a Fussy Librarian promo going. Now, you'll remember this is one of the tips I gave you when I was giving you feedback about BookBub. I, I like to, when I do my promos, I like to follow the main promo up. So the, I, I get the most powerful promo tool on the first day. So that's either free booksy or BookBub. And then I like to follow it up with some other promos the second day. And usually what I find is that one, two, follow-up approach usually gets you to the top of your charts in free. Just the, the promo on its own won't always do it. It's usually best on the on day two or day three to give it some real some extra impetus with um, some more promo. So um, I have spent a little bit of money on this. Uh, so on the Thursday, it's going to be Free Booksy and Fussy Librarian. And then I haven't had it confirmed yet, but I've booked an ebook soda, which has also worked well for me in the past, that I have splashed out a little bit. I've got I've never used Kindle Nation Daily before. Uh their ads are about $120 for a day, but they're running a 40% discount at the moment um until I think it's the 8th of January. So I, I jumped on that and so I've got a, a Kindle Nation Daily deal for about $79, which is the same kind of price as free boxy. But the deal I've got is Thriller of the Day. I've gone for their Thriller of the Day deal to see how that works for me. And um, also with Kindle Nation Daily, they give you a book gorilla, some kind of book gorilla promo as well as as, as part of the deal. So uh, if ebook soda say yes, which I hope they will, that'll be four promos, um, two on the 25th of January, two on the 26th of January um, for the free book. And then we'll hopefully get the read-throughs and make the money. So the first thing I'm trying to do is shift free books. The second thing is hopefully I'm going for read-throughs, which work really well with BookBub. Now, there's no way I'm going to get a month that was anywhere near as good as a BookBub. But if we can get it as, as good as the last free books I did, which was $1,000 in a month, I'll be I'll be happy with that. If we can get it over $1,000, even better. 
I'm hoping to get it over $1,000 because I've splashed out on the Kindle Nation daily. Now, I will uh, let you know my results as usual. I'll let you know whether it was a success or a failure, whether I covered my expenditure or not. But the Kindle Nation daily, I'm really pleased that they had that 40% discount because I don't think I would have taken it at $119 if I wasn't sure whether it was going to do anything for me. It might just be $119 and, and nothing at all. So um, uh, at 40% down to $70, $80, whatever it was, I was happy to do that. So um i'll let you know i'll let you know how it goes so i think it was very interesting by the way uh, oh by the way sorry i I've, i have also requested many books as well so i'm really really pushing this so I'm, I'm using the kind of poor men's poor man's and woman's book bubs to do this because i can't get a book bub on don't tell meg i'm, I'm trying the backups i'm getting all lots of sites i've had really good luck with in the past i've also put a request in for many books but i haven't heard back from them either so it's the one to approach lots of promos um uh, aim number one is to get it to number one in free books. Aim number two is obviously to get the sell-throughs. And uh, the bottom line is I just want to cover my costs and make some profit from that. So the thing that was interesting, by the way, is I can't remember which sites it was, but two of the sites said um, we only take books that have that meet these criteria. And it was things like, you know, properly edited in covers and things. But here's the thing I found really interesting. Um, they said if you've got um, something like up to 20 reviews, we're looking for something like a four-star average. But if you've got um, over 50 reviews, these are just rough numbers, they're looking for a sort of a 3.4 or a 3.6 average. Now, in both cases, um, I, I hit all those criteria, which was was fantastic. I was looking at my grid reviews in the States. So uh, we've got something like 30 two reviews on the grid. I, th I think that's right. It's, it's about that figure. And the average is in between four and five, which I'm really, really chuffed with because, as you know, I don't really look at my reviews. And if I do, I tend to look at that that figure at the top. I never dig into the reviews because I, I don't really want to hear it. You know, I don't want to see... I'm not very good with the negative stuff. There's probably loads of positive stuff in there, which I miss, but I'm not good at the negative stuff, so I just give it a wide berth. Um, so um, I was well over those averages. So I thought that was very educational for me to think oh is that you know if that's kind of if, if they think that that's good for a promo they would not flaunt, they would not promote books that were rubbish and didn't convert it anyway so if they think a 3.6 or 3.4 plus is, is good for promos I think oh that's good well maybe my standards are too high because I I think well if I'm not you know 4.5 that I'm pretty poor um but if they if that's their rating I took a lot of solace in that. I thought, oh, that's very interesting if they think that's a, a, a good review. So, because um, my books are over that. Um, so I, I felt very happy uh, in summary. Um, I've got a bit spend friendly, really. I, sh I, I, I was, <laughs> I'm a bit like this, you know, blowing hot and cold. So I, I, that's not a fortune. I can't remember what that is. It's about 70 for free books. He's 70 odd. It's about maybe 200 pounds worth of promos. It's less than that. Uh, not pounds, dollars. It must be about, be about 140 pounds with the promos maybe something like that um so I've, I've paid for those up front I, I was thinking about a book bub I want to get another book bub and the book bub I really want is on the grid the grid just does so well as a book I, I really want to get the grid on a book bub I don't know why they won't do it it's got a good cover on it it's got great reviews it's got enough reviews now um I, I wish they'd just take the grid i'd love to put the grid through a book bub i don't think sci-fi will do as well as thrillers that's just the feeling i get but i'd still like to put the grid in a book bub i'd love to see what it did even if it did half of what i did with don't tell meg it would be fabulous so anyhow i've got to wait a little bit till i can resubmit the grid for them to knock back again Grrr. um so what i decided to do is i submitted dead of night for a book bub um and, and then I submitted it and if I it's gonna be like four hundred and something dollars if I get that promo. I, I submitted it and it instantly had submitters remorse because I was thinking, well oh, that's four hundred and something dollars, it's a standalone book, it's not even in a trilogy. Now there are other books to read, but the experience I've had with the Don't Tell Meg promo is that they they bought the the trilogy, but they haven't really gone on to buy the other standalone books. I don't know why that is, because I've promoted them enough. So I'm sort of thinking, oh, blimey, I might, if I get, if they say yes to this book, which they probably won't do, but if they say yes to the end of night, I was thinking, oh, crikey, am I going to spend $400 and not get my money back on this one because it doesn't follow a sequence? Now, if they say yes to it, which I bet they don't, but if they do say yes to it, I am going to work really, really hard to make sure I cross fertilize all my other books to try and get the buy throughs on that. Um, because I am a bit jittery about that one if they say yes to it. The other thing I've done is I've never done 99 uh, pence or 99 cents deals. Um, Free Booksy has a sister site called Bargain Booksy. And also, when I was looking around um, 
this week. There's another site that I've used in the past, which is called BookBooks. And they've been closed for listings for ages. In fact, they've been closed so long, I gave up looking um, ages ago because they were, they, were, they were solidly booked. So what I've done there is because they're open now for bookings, I've submitted the Grid 1 as a 99 pence cents deal to BookBooks. And if they say yes to that book, I will then also list it on Bargain Booksy, the sister site for free booksy. And I'm going to try a 99p discount deal. So I think I sell it for 3.99 in the UK, 4.99 in the States. So it's got a good discount on it wherever you buy it. Worth having. And I'm going to try selling books rather than giving them away for free because I've never done that before. I've never sold them at a discount um, through a promo site. I've only ever given them away for free. So again, I'll let you know if I get accepted. I don't, I, I'm not holding my breath. You know what it's like. You win some, you lose some. Uh, and I'll let you know the figures if that happens. Uh, why I'm bulking about the money that I might be up for spending is um, I also thought, look, I, I was just, as you do around the new year, just thinking about things and thinking about objectives. And I was thinking about Don't Tell Meg. And, um, you know, whilst I know it's not a perfect book, it's, it's doing well. As, as you know, it's done well. It's sold. People read through it. It's generally getting... Uh, reviews that are good enough for the promo site certainly and I just thought I need to do more with this book you know this is a book that people that people like and they buy naturally so I have decided well I've only sent a query so far I haven't committed myself to it but I thought I'd like to get Stuart Bache now Stuart is the guy who does Mark Dawson's covers and actually interestingly uh, to me Mark Dawson's covers are fine but when I was interviewing James Blatch for this podcast he'd got a Stuart Bache cover for his book and I loved it absolutely brilliant cover really really distinctive so I've been thinking about getting Stuart Bache covers on my Don't Tell Meg trilogy and I want these books to look fantastic like these um the kind of psychological thriller that you get on Richard and Judy that's really the co- kind of cover that I want to have on those books and and I can't do that and I can't get that on on Fiverr or, or do it in any cheap way I needed just a good designer on it and obviously I also want them to look really strongly like a series so I was just thinking you know I feel like I've got enough evidence there to 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 invest some more money in getting those books better so I sent a query to Stuart Bache um, for the full cover deal, which is a paperback cover and the ebook covers. Now his upfront charge for those is four hundred per cover. So up front, you would think I'm up for one thousand two hundred for three covers pounds. This is rather than dollars, and um, he does though for series. Uh, there is the potential for a 20% discount, which would make it £940, I think it is, um, for three covers. And at that point, it's probably it's probably about worth my while, particularly as I've got hysterical, hysterical, <laughs> historical data. Historical is the word, Paul. Historical data to show that Don't Tell Mel Meg. <laughs> Can you tell I'm tired? Don't Tell Mel. Can't even remember the name of my own book. Don't Tell Meg, because I know it sells. And people buy through it. Feels like that's an investment worth making to me. So anyhow, I'll wait till I get the final price back, and and, and I'll let you know whether I go ahead with those covers. But it just felt to me like if I um, if I go for another book bub in April on Don't Tell Meg, if I've got some really really hot covers on there, plus all those reviews, you know, plus the fact that we shifted fifty forty five thousand last time we did it, I'm hoping they'll pick me up for another one, and we might shift even more. That's kind of the strategy with that. And, and it gives you, see, now, now I've made this, um, $7,000, whatever it was, five and a half, nearly 6,000 pounds, because I know that that can be done, because I know it's possible. And because I know that even if I only do half of that, that's still a substantial amount of income. It's given me slightly more confidence to be a little bit more gung ho about these things. Number one, because these decisions are based on, on evidence, not on just, um, blind trust and faith. But, you know, number two, this would be easily covered. Uh, 960, 40, whatever it was, pounds for those covers would be easily covered with a, a reasonable promo. So I, I am mindful of what I'm kind of committing myself to here uh, with the money. But I, I do feel in, in internet marketing terms, when we used to do testing. We used to test sales pages. And you, you, t- you tended to test a page with your own list. So maybe you've got a list of a 1,000 and you test the page until it was as, as good as possible. So you might send uh, a sales offer to a 1,000 people and you might get a 100 people buying and you hit a 10% conversion rate. So when you hit that 10% conversion rate, you know that then if you can send that uh, sales page to a 100,000 people, you know you're going to make however many times is that amount. 
So it's just a number, it's just a money in, money out. And, and in any kind of sales environment, you're always trying to get to a conversion process where you, if I spend £10, I'm going to get £100 back. So if you look at the scenario with a book bub, I put in uh, $400, whatever it was I paid for promos. So $400 in, $7,000, $7,500 out. Okay, that's a huge return on investment. And when you get numbers to confirm that you could do that, it then becomes a money machine because I know that if I get another book bub, and if I can if I can improve one element of that, and frankly, it's probably going to be the covers that I can improve. Uh, you know, given that given that I need people to buy and engage with the book, I could probably improve what's inside the book as well, of course. But but that doesn't detract people from the initial sale. So that's like a third tier thing for me. If I if I was shifting loads of books, or the cover was selling even more books, the blurb and everything else was shifting the books, and then maybe my reviews were lower than I would like, the third thing I would then go to is to say, right, well, this book's converting, people like it, they like the idea and the concept, now it would be worth me time doing a retrospective developmental edit on it, and getting the other things that people are complaining about wrong, so that we effectively end up with, inverted commas, the perfect book, because we know it converts, we know we can sell it, We've put all the things right about it. And then at that point, it becomes a money machine. And this is kind of what we want with, with books. We, we all want to create a book that's a money machine like that and that sends people into other sales. So because I've got that data on the Don't Tell Meg uh, trilogy, I feel that the grid could do that too because the, the people like the grid so much when they read it. Um, th- those are kind of going to be my two um, primary um, aims in terms of marketing because those books feel so safe to me in terms of the sales and the reviews. So... Anyhow, as usual, it's a long way round of telling you that um, I'm doing some promos and I'll let you know how they go. Now, I said this was going to be a long one. Uh, on my clock here, it'll, uh, there's a few edits in here when I've stopped to slurp tea and things like that, but we're about 25 minutes at the moment on this. And I haven't even done my 2018 preview um, and my quarter one aim. So apologies. I did say that loads of things have happened this week. It's just been a really busy and, and it's great to be back. It's great to be doing all this stuff again. I'm really enjoying it. So what I would suggest is I'm going to just stop the recorder for a moment, finish off my cup of tea that I've made. And uh, I suggest you do the same. Just take a, a break, put the kettle on and then come back and I'll go to my 2018 preview and my quarter one aims. Okay, so through the magic of editing, I've now finished my cup of tea. Very nice it was too. And I'm ready to rattle on with my 2018 preview. So the 2018 preview really is the bare bones of the year. What do I want to achieve by the end of this year? And probably unusually for me, last year my aims were to write those 450,000 word books. And I'm slightly less certain this year about how the end of the year is going to go, which is fine because it's another nine to 12 months away. So let me tell you what is for definite this year. I'm going to finish off my 14th fiction book, which gives me two lots of seven in each genre, which is, as you know, if you listen regularly to this, that's what I was trying to achieve. So this is my seventh thriller. It's going to be a 50,000 word thriller. It's called Left for Dead. And I'm writing that in quarter one. So that's going to be done by the end of March of this year. Now, um, again, if you listen to these diaries, you'll have heard me talk about Project Bloodhound. At that point, when I hit my 14th fiction book, uh, I have enough books out to do all sorts of wonderful configurations for marketing. I can have, uh, I've got sort of box sets of six, two box sets of three. I've got books that I can give away for three or for 99 cents. I've got all sorts of wonderful marketing permutations in there. So at that point, I'm kind of happy with my critical mass of books. But the bottom line is, I'm not selling enough books. Okay, remember, BookBub doesn't an author career make. It, it's a nice little flurry. It's very welcome income, but it doesn't make an author career. And I still don't have a sustainable author career. Now, what are the reasons for that? Um, I, I think my feeling is, is that the thrillers uh, are selling easier than the sci-fi. Funny thing is, I love writing my sci-fi and I love my sci-fi books, but I feel like the thrillers uh, are easier to sell than the sci-fi. Um, I've just had more success with the thrillers more quickly. Um, and I also think that although my writing is clearly good enough in that I don't constantly get one stars, I don't constantly get called out on spellings and book structure and holes in plots and things like that. So, so my writing's good enough. It's not good enough is, is how I'm reading that. My writing is not good enough. I need to, uh, up my game. I need to improve my craft. And where I am with my writing at the moment is I'm not, I've done 14 books now and I, I haven't got a sustainable author income. I'm not where I want to be. I've been at it for three years and I know that many people 
who who have later success, you have to just keep going at it. I understand that, and I'm fine with that. Uh, and I know that in terms of an author career, three years in is not very far in at all. Uh, and I'm also happy that as I've done that author career, things get better and better slowly, too slowly, but they get they do get better and better. I keep improving on things all the time. So it's not like I'm going backwards. I am definitely going forwards. But but I, I, I'm not prepared. Now I've hit this critical mass of books. I'm not prepared to just keep doing the same thing over and over again because I need something to work better. Something's got to work or click better. And I suspect that is probably my writing. I've got to up my game with my writing. So this is where Project Bloodhound comes in. From uh, March or April through to end of September, I am going to be uh, activating Project Bloodhound. I did say it's been a busy week because this week I have commissioned a developmental editor and um, she's expecting me to deliver the book on September the 1st, a 90,000 to 100,000 word thriller which I am going to write to market. By writing to market, I mean to Bloodhound's market. I, I, I would like that book to go to Bloodhound, Joff Books, or Cafe Nights, which specialise in my kind of psychological thriller field. So my sole aim with that book is to, to write a great book, is to send it to a development developmental editor. I've never had a full developmental edit before. So she can send it back to me, warts and all. I don't care. Um, uh, you know, to tell me what's wrong with it. Now, this lady already developmentally edits books for somebody who is extremely successful on Bloodhound, which is why I've specifically chosen her to do this because she's in the right uh, ballpark. Uh, you know, she she has edited somebody else and got them ready for Bloodhound. So I, I want her to edit, edit me and get me ready for Bloodhound. So I will do the developmental edit. I will take what I'm hoping she'll tell me about all these things that maybe or maybe not I'm doing wrong. So I can put those right. I can learn from it. I can improve my writing as a result of that. And then I will move the book over to Helen Fazal, who hopefully it will be the perfect plot by that stage. And then Helen will do her usual wonderful work where she goes through it and, and then uh, does the, the proofreading, you know, the kind of the copy edits uh, and gets it ready for publication. So this is going to be a lot slower, this book. I've, I've allowed six months to write it. Going to start writing it in April, but actually I will have it done by the end of July because I've given myself plenty of time for me then to go through it and edit it. It will be delivered to the uh, developmental editor on September the 1st. Development, the developmental editor will have it for eight weeks. So she will bring it back to me November. So hopefully I, I so then it will go to Helen. So that book is not going to be ready until probably a year's time, another year's time. But I specifically want to put effort into that book rather than sort of banging out quickly um, like, like the others. This book needs to change things for me. So I'm good to invest in it. I'm good to pay more money for it, a lot of money for it, with the sole aim of it going to to those publishers that I'm keen to get with. And then if they knock it back still, um, you know, bearing in mind that they won't expect it to be perfect by the time they get it, they would expect to do their own edit on it. So I'm actually doing all that work for them, but I'm going to pay for all of that. And then that book is good to go, may go around to publishers and agents as well when it's been through that process. Now, the reason I want to do this is that I feel strategically in my career that if I could become part of a, a group of authors through a publisher that specifically targets people in my field, I think that's going to benefit me now as an author. I, I feel that that's actually, it's a marketing strategy on, on my part. It's a credibility strategy on my part, and it can only help the other books that I've self-published. So um, it's that's a lot slower, this. It's going to be, it's a slow burner. I will tell you all about it through the, the, the diary week in, week out, tell you how it's going. You can hear my tears in September or October when I get the developmental edit back, and I feel I hear how rubbish I am. But I, you know, I've got to move things on. I can't just keep repeating the same old mistakes time and time again and, and keep publishing, you know, books that that don't move on. Uh, so the it's after that that I'm not quite sure how the year's going to go. Now that book, I've got it all planned out. I want that book to be written by the summer holidays, which is mid July. And I know I can do that. I can have a, uh, I've got, I've got enough writing days for to get a book to a hundred thousand words. I will then have it over the, uh, about six weeks. So the end of July and August where I can go through it, make my own edits and changes. It goes to the editor on the 1st of September. Now, what I'm not sure of is how much time, how much I will be embroiled in that book and what I can then subsequently write. 
But when I look at my writing days, bearing in mind that I tend not, I don't do my editing on my writing days. I still do my writing days anyway. And then the editing days tend to be at weekends and things like that. I still think possibly I can either get another 100,000 worder done by the end of the year or 250,000 worders. And so I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do, but I am intended, or, or, or it might just be one fifty thousand worder that I write between um, October to December at the end of next year. I'm not quite sure. So I do intend to write another book. I, I have a, a sci-fi book that I'm really keen to write that I'd, I'd quite like to put a thriller and a sci-fi book through this developmental editor treatment, you know, this full treatment, and then try and get them published, um, you know, in, in a... Uh, in a more formal environment, maybe even traditional, or uh, but 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 to use that as a platform to sell my other books and to get publicity for my other books that I've written in the past. So I may end up writing two books like that, two sort of ninety to hundred thousand worders, one in sci-fi, one in thrillers. Um, but I've got a, a, an idea that I'm kind of burning to write in sci-fi, and it's more of a um, literary fiction kind of sci-fi. Um, I need to think it out and I, I need, to, I need to work out how to write it. So it's not to be heavy handed, but I'm really, really interested in the idea. Something I desperately want to write. Um, and it pulls out something of the journalist in me too, or the former journalist in me too. So definitely left for dead in quarter one, definitely project bloodhound in sort of quarter two, quarter three. And, and maybe something else later in the year, but I'm going to have to leave the, the end of the year open this year because I just don't know how much time this book's going to take but Project Bloodhound is my number one focus this year I want a book they're not necessarily going to take it but I want to give Bloodhound my best shot my best book and the other thing I'm doing by the way is I've loaded up my Kindle book with Bloodhound writers and people who write the kind of books that Bloodhound would buy so that I can get right into that mindset by the time I'm writing in April, so that's I'm reading wall-to-wall psychological thrillers uh, between now and March to make sure that my head is in the zone when I come to to plan that book out. So um, that's really the bulk of the year. So I don't really know how the latter part of, of of quarter sort of three quarter four is going to go. That's going to be an open book for this page. Um, but I, I need to move things on. So this is the year that I want to move things on. We got little bites of it last year. You know, I was on stage uh, with Amazon. I, I got some nice little things to do uh, with the Society of Authors, but I just feel I've got to move things on. That That's the year. 2018 is we move things on. We don't just stay the same. And I, I feel like I've just, it's been rinse and repeat up to this 14th book, and I'm not prepared to rinse and repeat anymore. Something has to change. So that's 2018. So hopefully, by the time we get to my 2018-2019 review and preview, we might have made some progress. But it is going to be a slower burn, that. Don't expect me. I'll be writing at the same pace as I always do, but I will not be releasing uh, the, the same number of books this year. Okay, so let's get to my uh, quarter one preview. So quarter one is January, February, and March. And if you go to the page the resources page for this podcast diary you'll see that I've put my a photograph of my my board up for you to take a look at I haven't actually had to blur anything out uh, on this board and I'll just talk you through what's on the board for this quarter of the year so uh, between January and March of this year I'm going to write left for dead so I'm going to write 50,000 words of left for dead I'm going to release phase six. That's the novel that I've just sent to Helen Vazal. She'll have it back to me at the end of February. I will do my final edit on it and it will be released ready for a 23rd of March release. I'll put that on pre-sale soon. I just want to be sure. I'll probably just wait for Helen's first read of it just to get a, a sort of early signal from her about its state of readiness and whether she thinks she can have it ready for that. And then I'll commit to a, a pre-release date and, and mark that hopefully for 23rd of March. Um, in this quarter, I'm recording, uh, I think we hit it just at the beginning of next quarter. So April is the two-year anniversary of my podcast, which uh, feels amazing, actually, to have been doing a podcast this long. So um, it's going to be the two-year anniversary. And as I get ready for the two-year anniversary, I'm recording um, some shows with people who I've been, whose progress I've been following on, on the podcast. So they're, they're, they're new or um, newbie or, or recent indie authors some of them have, have not published before when I spoke to them and they're we're going we're following them through their publishing process 
some of them were, were on the verge of, of breakthroughs or had breakthroughs and had setbacks. But um, I, I'm interviewing those authors for a catch-up. And also, when I record with them, I'm, I'm asking them to come up with three questions to ask me. And so on that uh, second anniversary episode, uh, I'm going to be interviewed by people who I've interviewed in the past. I just thought it'd be a nice way to celebrate two years. So that, that's coming up. It won't run until April or something, uh, but I'm recording it in this quarter. I've got a couple of events, um, two of them writing events, actually, in this quarter. So 20 Books London is uh, 2nd, 2nd of February, I think it is. That's coming up in less than a month now. I'm also attending a local event that takes place in Gretna Green at a hotel just outside Gretna. It's called Crime and Publishment. It's with a, a local uh, author pal of mine, uh, Graham Smith, who coincidentally is published with Bloodhound Books. Can you see the pattern that's forming here? And uh, so there's a lot of uh, cr- a lot of crime authors, people interested in writing crime at that event. And actually, I must remember this. I'm actually talking at it too, so I have to remember that bit. Uh, so um, uh, that's coming up, uh, I think, in March. And then I've got a, a cryptocurrency event. Cryptocurrencies are just something, something to do with authors. Um, but, but one of the big things I'm doing in this quarter is I'm launching a, a new test podcast for a, 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 a one, sorry, a one, a, a, get your words out, Paul, a three-month period um, on cryptocurrencies. I'm just giving it a, a trial period just to see how it goes. Um, so I'm attending a course, um, a kind of a, you know, a boot camp on how to use cryptos and everything you need to know about cryptos. That's nothing to do with writing whatsoever, but that's when you see crypto on my board, that's what it relates to. But um, quite a lot of my emphasis is going on to setting that up and testing that in this quarter. Uh, got a trip to Scotland at the end of March with my middle son. Um, one of the things now, uh, Queeve McDonald, who again is a, a previous guest on this podcast, uh, Queeve sent me a, a really nice email saying how he's doing monthly emails and they're very sustainable, and that um, I, I really ought to, to try and do that. And, and I read his email. I thought, yes, you're absolutely right, Queeve. I, I agree with you. And Queeve, you'll be delighted uh, to hear that I've actioned this already. So my aim is to write a good monthly newsletter, author newsletter, uh, at the end of every month for this year. That is sustainable. And you'll be here, pleased to hear, Queeve, that I've actually, uh, I've, I've been, uh, I've also looked at uh, Patrick Sheriff's emails. Patrick is also a previous guest. He was the Christmas Day guest. And, and Patrick does a, one of these lovely kind of, you know, summary newsletters. And I'm pinching all these ideas. And I listened to a, a podcast the other day, which had another author on talking about this. And I've now created a template for my monthly uh, email newsletter. And actually, not all of it's going to even be about me being an author. I'm going to put things on like what I'm watching on Netflix, what I'm reading. I'll put a few photos from what we've been up to as a family. So it's going to be a completely different style. And I think uh, the reason I don't like email marketing really is that because I come from a uh, an internet marketing background where we just thrash, 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 sell, 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 sell. That's what you do in internet marketing. I don't, that's what I don't really like doing. But um, when I thought about it, I thought, actually, I really like this format where it's just me chatting about things that I'm up to. And um, and actually, when I came to do the template, and I've, I've already started putting things in place for my January newsletter, I thought, actually, I've got loads of things to talk about in here. And um, so, Queeve, you will, if you're listening to this, you'll be delighted to hear that I have acted on this, and I totally agree with you. And this actually is something I'm quite excited about writing. So if you are on my newsletter, you'll start to get these emails from the end of January. I'm going to do my very best to sustain that over the year and try and change my practice and my attitude towards email marketing. So that's that's on the quarter um, the quarterly planning board. Uh, so I've got to do email promos for January, February and March uh, and see how that goes. Uh, exercise is also on there. So basically on the days when I'm in the office uh, doing the three-day-a-week day job, uh, I exercise before I go to work um, and do a 5K kind of treadmill kind of workout thing. Um, I need to get my self-publishing journeys episode. I've got all my guests booked in now until uh, episode 110. So I've got episodes 100 to 110 to record and process for this podcast. And then you'll also see on my planning board now that I've got uh, 10 crypto podcast episodes to record and 10 crypto boot camps to record. Now, again, nothing to do with author, but this is just something else. It's just a little sideline project that I'm testing out over the next quarter. And I'll decide at the end of, of this quarter uh, whether that's something I'm going to continue. Now, I will mention it because it does have some bearing on on this podcast. Um, my feeling with this podcast uh, is that I came to a saturated uh, sort of podcast niche um, too late. 
So people like Joanna Penn got in really early. Selma Bookshow got in really early. I mean, Mark Dawson, actually, he's I think he's just one or two episodes ahead of me, but obviously he had a huge platform when he started his podcast. So as an unknown person uh, in a very saturated niche, uh, it's been quite hard to establish this podcast, even though we do have, you know, a nice, uh, steady uh, and very loyal audience for it. Um, and, and what I wanted to try is I just wanted to try a sample podcast in a brand new and evolving environment. I wanted to just see what the numbers are like to compare it with. Um, so, uh, you know, crypto is huge at the moment. Uh, and I'm just, this is my geeky side coming out. It's nothing to do with being an author, but it's just something I'm very interested in. And I just wanted to set up a complete newbies podcast. Um, for authors so it's going to be like the Selma book show for crypto cryptocurrencies so if you haven't got a clue about cryptocurrencies but you keep hearing about them it's going to be a complete from scratch start and then each week we'll have these boot camp episodes which explain what you need to know and where you buy them and things like that and then uh, the the weekly podcast will basically be like the Selma book show with the latest crypto news so we'll find five stories that are interesting every week and we'll chat about them um, and, uh, and that's going to be the podcast and occasionally we'll get guests on, but I didn't want it to be a guest based podcast because it's, uh, as you can tell, I've got 10, I've had to book up and 10 interviews to research and record and edit and things like that for this podcast. It takes a lot of time. So I didn't want to be, I wanted to be on a sustainable podcast format. And that's what I'm trying with this new podcast. So again, that's going to run till March and then I will review it at the end of March. We'll either ditch it or continue it. We'll see how it goes. So um, that's the, um, that's the quarter one planning board. Interestingly, there are there are fewer things on there. Usually, my list is about sixteen to eighteen things on my my planning board. There's only there's a list of ten things, but as you can see, there's still plenty of work in there to be done. It's just um, just fewer things to go at. Now, to supplement that, I have some little marketing jobs that I also want to try and get to in quarter one. And if you listen to my review of quarter four from last year, this was a great long list of marketing jobs, and I worked my way through some of them. Um, I've got six things now that I, I just need to, to sort out. So uh, they're not important. They're what I call ongoing things. But this is these are marketing-related jobs. So number one on that list is this is something I learned from Joanna Penn. She said that when you start to sell your books rights or sell in different territories, people are generally looking for a publisher website. So I can't remember what her, is it Small Press? Something publishing she's got for the romance books. She, she set up a, uh, a small press and she and she has a website for that so when I listened to that I bought the I just bought Clixio Publishing as a site I just need to um, it'll only take me an hour or two hours just to set up a very basic site uh, called Clixio Publishing and to put my books on it and it's just literally there for if I ever get into rights or anything like that um, so it's not a pressing job but it's something that I want to do I bought the domain name I just need to set up a very basic site I need to go through my book blurbs and review those. That's just to me. That's just a an ongoing review. You should always do this. Am I my book, book blurbs working? Are they converting? Could I improve them? So I do need to do a review of my book blurbs. I want to put all of my books into Vellum. So I started using Vellum quite late into my career. Uh, the Secret Bunker isn't in Vellum, nor is the Grid. And I, I'm just trying to think. I think, I think yeah. Don't tell Meg is. So all my thrillers are in Vellum, but my sci-fi's aren't. I want to migrate all of my books into Vellum so that I can more easily and dynamically update them and add front and back matter and add new books I've written and things like that. So that, I, again, it's not pressing because the books are out and they're selling, but it's something I need to do strategically. The other thing I want to do is to have 10% samples on BookFunnel um, so that um, because my books now, because I'm getting so much income from from reads when I go KDP select, I can only give away 10% of my books to remain compliant with their rules. So I want to have those 10% samples on book funnel so that I can take part in giveaways. Um, I can offer free samples on websites, emails, things like that. So again, not pressing and I've got a couple of books in there already, but that's something I need to do strategically. Uh, item number five on that marketing list, I have put the photograph of this on the resources page for this week, is I need to come up with a BookBub promo schedule. So for instance, I know that I can't submit to BookBub until April for Don't Tell Meg, but I, I need to get in the cycle with Dead of Night and Burden of Guilt and One Fatal Error and all the other books I've got. I need to put these on a calendar so that the minute I can resubmit, I, I'm resubmitting. So this is on a, a, a scheduled cycle now. Um, BookBub and other promos have been haphazard 
I think one of the things I've learned because BookBub was so uh, profitable for me and the previous free books, he was so profitable for me, is I need to to get into a cycle of promos and, and be really quite relentless with this because promos sell books, make money. And, and that's what, what we're about. So uh, I need to be more organized about this, be really haphazard with it. And I, and I need to stop that and, and start to find the promo sites that work and then start to, to be promoing all of, I've got loads of books now, loads of configurations. I need to be promoing these. So again, those quarter one marketing, they're not on the objectives because they may or may not get done in this quarter. They're, they're kind of like rainy day on a Sunday jobs where you think, oh, right, well, I'm stuck inside today. I hadn't expected to be working. Let's do one of these jobs. They're those kind of jobs. Um, so I don't put them on my objectives because that my objectives, I want all those to be ticked by the end of the quarter. Um, some of these might carry over uh, depending on how much free time I have. So I said it was going to be a long one, but that's it. That's my quarter one goals, my 2018 preview that's my writing news for the week there's a whole load of stuff there um it's really good I, i'm not brilliant at christmas i enjoy christmas but uh, i i don't like sitting around doing nothing I, I i am much better when i'm active and doing things i like to be engaged um so i've enjoyed christmas of course i have you know i've, I've enjoyed the change of pace i've enjoyed not having to leap out of bed in the mornings i've loved having the kids at home uh you know and not going to school and things like that um but uh, i'm also very happy to get back to to work and, and get back to producing uh, results that's my happiest state so a uh, bit of good week this week loads and loads has happened so I've, i feel very good about that that's it then for this week's podcast diary i'm going to be back with another one next week my guest on monday is ron vital ron is a second time visitor to this show and ron got in contact with me to say oh, i'm doing a book launch pool and i'm pulling out all the stops and doing all the things that people recommend that we do and i'd like to sort of share that and talk about that in the podcast and i said yeah of course we always want to know about this stuff and ron Ron does brilliant reviews of the year. He's really, really honest, painfully honest about his income and his outgoings and the losses that he makes or the profits that he makes. And so I, I, I jumped to do that. And uh, Ron, I think, had anticipated having a really great book launch, but actually it didn't work out for him. He spent a lot of money and he wasted a lot of money. And in this interview, Ron talks about what worked and things that he definitely wouldn't do again. And um, as I say, it's quite it's quite painful. But we, you know, on this podcast, as you know, if you listen regularly, you know that we don't just do the "I made a million pounds" interviews. You know, we do the "this was painful," "this didn't work," "this failed." We dig into that a lot, not in a negative way, but in a in a way that we can all take lessons from. And, and Ron is just great at this. He shares so openly and so honestly. It's almost it's almost quite uh, painful. But there are some very important tips in there about what you spend your money on in your book launches and I just I said to, to Ron uh, we had an off-air conversation I said to Ron you know I told him what had worked with bookbub cheapo covers uh, you know a bookbub promotion writing in threes writing a trilogy uh, that's 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 what worked really simple and and I pretty well just paid for the bookbub promo and more than got my money back and um, Ron's tried a few things that she, which you might be tempted to try and he said I wouldn't do those things again so it's a really informative and painfully honest interview coming up on Monday. And that's going to be an interview episode number 97 on the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast. And that's scheduled for Monday, the 8th of January, 2018. I've got to remember to say 2018. Thank you very much for bearing with me on this this first long one of the new year. Uh, really looking forward to 20 books uh, in London. We're, we're almost there now, aren't we? I can, I can smell it from here. So really looking forward to 20 books. Not only a couple of weeks away now, and uh, we're all heading off to London. I'm looking forward to seeing you if you're a podcast listener and you're heading there. It'd be really great to meet everybody in person. Um, I, I start writing next Friday. So when I record this next diary, I should be telling you that I've got uh, the first 5,000 words of a brand new book in the pot. Fingers crossed that that happens. Have a great week of writing. I'll speak to you next Saturday. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.